I'll be honest, to this day, we really don't want to talk about the game as a fan base. We just don't. You're two games away from something that's never been done in basketball. Going 40-0. This is Keith Garrett. He's been a Kentucky Wildcats fan all his life. He's also the founder of a fan site called Big Blue Banter. It's a reference to Kentucky's fan base, known as Big Blue Nation. The game he's talking about happened more than two years ago, April 4th, 2015. But for Keith, it's like it happened yesterday. The University of Kentucky faced the Wisconsin Badgers in the Final Four. Up to that night, Kentucky had been perfect. They were 38-0, undefeated, and they were on the verge of making history, just two wins away from becoming the only undefeated Division I men's basketball team in nearly 40 years. But to do that, they had to get by Wisconsin. The thought going into the game was a lot of anxiety simply because Wisconsin was clearly the second best team in the nation. They had the best offense in the nation. Kentucky had the best defense in the nation. But if there was a team that was going to beat Kentucky, and this was a consensus among the fan base, it was going to be Wisconsin. We knew that they were going to have every chance to beat us. This is Carl Anthony Towns. Fans call him Cat. He's a center for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he was the 2016 NBA Rookie of the Year. But back in April 2015, he was a freshman in college playing forward for Kentucky. We had to make sure that we took care of the game where no matter what happened, the outcome was going to be the way we wanted it to be. That game wasn't what Cat wanted it to be. It was as far from it as you can imagine. This is the place where the road was supposed to end, but not the way it was supposed to end for the Wildcats of Kentucky. This is the secret to victory. I'm Dominique Foxworth. Today, Carl Anthony Towns and Big Blue Nation learn how to lose, how to grieve, and how to move on. To understand how big this game against Wisconsin was, you need to understand just how perfect Kentucky had been all year. Jerry Tipton is a reporter for the Lexington Herald-Leader. He's been covering Kentucky basketball since 1981. He's a just-the-facts kind of guy. But this 2014-2015 team, even Jerry had to admit, the Wildcats had something extraordinary going on. I remember they beat Kansas by like 32. I think it was 72 to 40. You know, it was humiliating. And they did the same thing to UCLA. They led UCLA at halftime 41 to 7. You know, it was almost like avert your eyes, you know. You don't want to see the carnage. And part of the reason Kentucky was so good was their depth. Their roster was stacked. Whatever they needed, they had it in triplicate. If one guy or two guys weren't hot or weren't playing well in a particular game, you know, they had alternatives that they could go to. If you were a Kentucky fan, it was thrilling to watch. And even if you hated Kentucky, you couldn't deny how good they were. Every week, the excitement and attention continued to build. But so did the pressure. Here's Cat. You know, we've been on TV all year. You know, ESPN. Kentucky finishes the regular season undefeated. Pursuit of perfection, you know, doing all these media for everyone and stuff. Here's Keith again, preeminent Kentucky fan. You can feel the fan base just dying to get this 40-0. I think that created internal pressure on these kids that was overwhelming. 
That pressure came to a head on the night of April 4th, 2015. Kentucky was set to face Wisconsin in the Final Four, and the winner would play perennial powerhouse Duke in the national championship. The game was hosted in Indianapolis, and the stadium was packed with nearly 80,000 fans, and Big Blue Nation was out in full force. Hi, this is Jackie Towns. Cat's parents, Carl Sr. and Jacqueline, were among those in the stands. Yeah, I know. Here you go. How you doing? They're happily married, but they don't sit together at the games. Carl Sr. was Cat's coach growing up, so he likes to sit up high and analyze, while Jacqueline likes to watch the games on the floor near the action. I yell and scream and I stand up and I stomp my foot and I say, don't you do that to him or that's a foul. And he's just sitting there just watching all the techniques. What's he doing so that he can go back and report? But you guys did sit together for this game, though. Oh, yes. Let me tell you why we had to sit together, because they messed up the seating arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to move, but this lady said... You have to sit in your assigned seat. And nobody wanted to switch seats. That probably was the only game the whole year we sat together. That one game and the Final Four. The game starts and Kentucky jumps out to a quick five-point lead. Wildcat superfan Keith was on vacation at Harrah's Casino in North Carolina. But as far as he was concerned, nothing could be left to chance. He had his own rituals to make sure Kentucky played well. I have a Kentucky blanket, and I wear it as a cape and start walking around. The tighter I wrap the blanket around me, the more I think it helps. I will also change clothes at halftime to a different variation of Kentucky stuff that I have on. And I am not superstitious by any means. Despite all that, it was clear that this game wasn't like any of the others that season. Ten minutes in, Wisconsin was up by nine. And Kentucky eventually caught up. But it was a game of cat and mouse. Kentucky getting Wisconsin in its reach. Wisconsin pulling away again. Five minutes into the second half, Kentucky was down by eight. Here's Cat. I I mean, they were hitting a lot of shots that, you know, uh, on your best days you hit. And they were playing one of their best days. So we understood we needed to just, you know, make it out alive. Kentucky had become particularly good at making it out alive that season. But they did have one potential weakness no team had figured out how to exploit. Their age. The players were young, mostly freshmen and sophomores. Wisconsin's team was older. Kentucky's players were talented, but they'd never played under this kind of pressure on a stage this big. And Wisconsin knew that. Here's reporter Jerry Tipton again. Wisconsin was that uh, team that could exploit that. They had very good players, NBA-quality players, who had experience. They had been into the Final Four the year before. And on top of that, when you've won 38 straight games, you have a target on your back. Everyone wants to end your streak, to take you down. Jerry says that Kentucky fans are wary, even suspicious of the NCAA and the referees. There was this fear of Wisconsin. And uh, how it was expressed was that there was a feeling, uh, fed by John Calipari to a degree, that the NCAA wanted to thwart Kentucky. And this is a theme that he hits pretty much every year. (laughs) And if the game comes down to the last few minutes, anything could happen. And the game did come down to the last few minutes, to one key play. On the inbound, Towns didn't see it, but he got a piece of it. That's got to be a a shot clock violation. That is a shot clock 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 violation. You've got to be kidding me. With less than three minutes to go, Kentucky was up by two points. But Wisconsin had the ball 
After a missed shot and a rebound, Wisconsin sophomore Nigel Hayes laid it in. It's pretty widely accepted that this shot came after the shot clock had expired. But the refs missed the call. Hayes scored. Wisconsin tied the game. And Kentucky never led again. That's brutal. This was the moment. Everyone knew. Kentucky's perfect season, the possibility of going 40-0, was over. They weren't oh their best God. tonight. Credit the Badgers. Credit the Badgers. This is the Kentucky team stream. But when it came to crunch time for the first time this year, the Wildcats were out-executed. For Cat, this all happened in slow motion. Losing didn't feel real at first. You know, we went in the locker room after the game. It felt like, you know, we never lost. But, you know, we soon realized in there that, you know, there's no more halves to go. There was no more time for us to come back. It was over. I was sitting next to my wife, and my exact words to her were, I can't believe we lost. Cat's parents, Jacqueline and Carl Sr., they were stunned. And I was crying, crying my eyes out. I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. We stayed at the arena until we were able to compose ourselves. It was empty. It was heartbreaking. It was something I've never felt before. I cried for hours. It was the kind of loss that gets played in highlight reels over and over again. It's something to this day, years later, Kentucky fans can't shake. It's, it's worse than getting dumped. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. It, it is. There, there's about a a week, a week of grief where your mood has changed. You're clearly affected. You're bothered. You're short. You're upset. And then after about a week, it becomes background noise, but it never really leaves. Kat's dad said grief is exactly what the aftermath of that loss felt like. He said it felt like someone he loved had died. When that final buzzer sounded, Cat's life, as he'd known it, changed. It was more of a, of a, a sense of a, a disbelief and a sense of shock. We realized that we were never going to be together again. You know, the players that you're looking at right now, 38 straight wins in a row with, uh, we're not going to be with you anymore. Uh, we were going to all be separated. And we knew at that moment, you know, it was, uh, it was over. It was over and we couldn't. We felt bad that we couldn't take it back. What did you do that night after the game? I was a roommate with Trey Lyles mm -hmm. when we went to the NCAA tournament. We just talked about how we were so close yet so far. Mm -hmm. Talked about, you know, how disappointed we were. Did those things help you to get over it? No, I mean, you, you, you got to go, you got to go over the situation. You got to analyze it. We did that. We did that for a long time and we, we, we didn't go to sleep. We just kept the TV on. We talked about everything. Us as athletes, we're built to withstand so much, but you tend to forget that most of the time, and for me especially, after a season, it's not the physical part that's broken down, it's just mentally. You're so mentally tired. You've given every single thought, every single brain cell to that game, and you know it's over, and you feel like you, you have nothing, you know, have nothing left to think about. You can't think straight, you can't look straight. It was almost like a balloon. 
and, and the balloon needed to pop, and, and it popped at the wrong time. That tough loss should have happened late in the season, SEC tournament, something like that. And then I think they could have reset their minds. I think they could have reset their emotions and, and went about the business of winning instead of going about the business of being perfect. Because when you try to be perfect, inevitably you're going to mess up. You're human. I'm going to tell you the truth. When we lost, we didn't even know what to do as parents. Carl Sr. and Jacqueline searched for the right way to be there for their son. Nobody moved from their seats. Because what do you do? First of all, you have to worry about what do you say to your kid? How do your emotions inside are like in disbelief that we lost? You have a 19-year-old kid who's won in high school, won all his life, and now we had to be parents. But we wanted to be strong for him because we know he was down. In the days and weeks after that game, Cat had to learn to work through the grief he felt in his own way. He went back to the Kentucky campus, back to his dorm room, in his classes, in his homework, and that's about it. He shut out the rest of the world. No TV, you know, stay away from talking about anything with sports, stay away from any, like, social interaction that has to do with sports. I didn't watch ESPN or anything sports-related for four weeks after the game, play video games, I guess Netflix binge, you know, finally enjoy some time to go outside and do something different, you know, just walking around outside in Kentucky. I just wanted to take some time to really clear my mind, clear my head. Two nights later, Wisconsin faced Duke in the national championship, the game that Kentucky had hoped to play in. Cat didn't watch. I didn't even know that Duke had won a national championship until uh, um, I was walking in in class, finishing up my courses at Kentucky, and someone, for some reason, had a, a, a Sports Illustrated with Tyus screaming. He's talking about Tyus Jones. He played for Duke at the time. And now he plays for the Timberwolves with Cat. And I was like, well, if they put him on the cover, he must have won the championship. And that's how I guess that they won. I've never seen a highlight. Cat still hasn't watched that final game. When athletes lose, they'll often go back and study their mistakes in meticulous detail. They learn from losing. It's a process. It's part of the game. But a loss this big changes you overnight. That's how Kat's mother, Jacqueline, sees it. I think that day he grew up. He became a stronger player, a driven player. It changed him because he he doesn't take it so hard in the NBA. At times he says, I didn't do good enough. I didn't do well enough. I didn't fight hard enough. I'm like, honey, what do you think you're doing? You're not, a, you know, the $6 million man. Losing is not the end-all, be-all. Here's Cat again. When I was younger, I wish that people would have told me, when you lose, you don't, you don't lose anything. You know, you lose a game. You know, and if you learn and you become a better human being, you've won in the long run. I've heard someone say, I never lost in my career. I just ran out of time. So just don't run out of time. <laughs> a college basketball game lasts 40 minutes. A season lasts maybe 40 games. That's a long time to stay perfect. But there's more than one way to achieve perfection in college sports. Perhaps what makes a season perfect is understanding the full range of what may lie ahead. The potential for success, the possibility of failure, and the need to get back up again. And for a game that's meant to prepare young talent for the road ahead, there might be only one way to describe Kentucky's 2015 loss to Wisconsin. Perfect. 
Thanks for listening to The Secret to Victory, a branded podcast from Gatorade and Gimlet Creative. Next week, Serena Williams on her 2016 U.S. Open loss, the pressure that comes with being at the top, and how she copes when she tries and fails. Losing is something that someone like me is allegedly not supposed to, I'm not supposed to lose, ever. That's next week on The Secret to Victory. Subscribe to The Secret to Victory on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And while you're there, please leave us a review. It helps others discover the show. This podcast was produced by Abby Ruzica and edited by Eric Mendel. Research and additional editing by Noah Davis. Jorge Estrada is our associate producer. Creative direction by Nazanin Rafsinjani. This episode was mixed by Sam Baer. Sound design by Bobby Lord. Music by Dan Brunel. The music direction by Matt Boll. Technical direction by Zach Schmidt. The Gimlet Creative Production team includes Caitlin Boguki, Julia Botero, Francis Harlow, Rachel Ward, and Nicole Wong. Special thanks to Kelly McDowell, Caitlin Delena, Molly Haran, and Oscar Zabayos. Learn more about the show at Gatorade.com slash podcasts. I'm Dominique Foxworth. Thanks for listening. <laughs>